Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, directing the TOSIC Early Cancer Therapeutics Program and co-directing the Cleveland Clinic Sarcoma Program. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Dr. Ziad Schwinn, a urologic oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic. He was previously a guest on the podcast to talk about transperineal biopsy and advances in screening for prostate cancer, and also to talk about active surveillance for patients with prostate cancer. Those episodes are still available for you to listen to. He is here today to talk about minimally invasive focal therapies for select patients with prostate cancer. So welcome back, Zia. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. So uh, in case people haven't listened into one of the previous episodes, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do here at Cleveland Clinic. I'm a, I'm a urologic oncologist. Um, I treat different types of urologic cancers. I also help in the diagnosis of them. My, my practice primarily is prostate cancer, but I also deal with uh, bladder cancer, kidney cancer, as well as testis cancer, which are common types of uh, urologic cancers. Uh, I do a lot of robotic surgery and other types of surgeries for curing prostate cancer. Um, and we also do some focal therapy here at the Cleveland Clinic, which is another type of uh, treatment for some men with prostate cancer. Well, as we record this uh out for everyone to listen to. It's Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. And so we're going to talk about focal therapies for prostate cancer. So um, let's start off. What is a focal therapy for prostate cancer? What does that mean? Yeah, focal therapy is is essentially treating the part of the prostate where the cancer is located as opposed to the entire prostate. So, you know, the traditional prostate cancer treatments treat the entire prostate, whether it's surgery, we remove the entire prostate, or radiation. Radiation involves radiating the entire prostate. So it's something that the traditional therapies that we would consider whole gland therapies um, are different from focal therapies in that we are leaving part of the prostate untreated. And, And so the goal is to identify who would be good candidates for focal therapy meaning who has prostate cancer localized to a small part of their prostate. And so when we think about focal therapies, um, we'll talk about a couple of specific examples. Um, How new is this? Yeah, focal therapy, the concept of focal therapy in the grand scheme of things is fairly new. Compared to radiation or surgery, it's something that radiation surgery have, have been around for many, many decades. And so we know the long-term outcomes of these treatments, and we know that they're effective prostate cancer therapies. Now, focal therapy has, in essence, been around for around 20 years. And, and so there have been a lot of different types of focal therapies, a lot of different energies uh, that are aimed at treating just part of the prostate. So we do know that they're effective for treating prostate cancer, but in the grand scheme of things, they're relatively new. But we're not talking about a couple years old. We're talking about you know over 10 years, uh, closer to 20 years, and so we do have out lo- a longer-term outcome uh, data on them. Which, of course, with cancer therapies is important because you want to make sure you have good control. Yeah, especially with prostate cancer, because a lot of the studies looking at how effective a treatment are, uh, you know, a management strategy is 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 has to be beyond 10 years because prostate cancer moves slowly. So we don't really know the outcome of a treatment until, you know, it reaches that 10 year mark at the very least. When you, uh, when you see a patient in, in clinic, 
Um, they come to you with a new prostate cancer. What are some of the factors that would go into whether you're going to recommend a localized or a focal therapy versus one of the more traditional therapies? Yep. So really, really, it's a very, very important decision, and it's about patient selection. We have to select the right candidate. Prostate cancer, almost by definition, is a multifocal disease, meaning if we find prostate cancer, it's more likely that it's going to be in multiple different locations. And, and that's because prostate cancer is really a genetic you know, defect in the prostate itself. So if you've developed cancer in one part of your prostate, you're at risk for developing cancer in another part of your prostate. And sometimes that, uh, you know, can be missed where we, you know, if we do surgery and we get the full specimen and we think the cancer was really just localized to this one part of your prostate, it's very common to find different, uh, you know, foci of disease uh, in other parts of the prostate on the final specimen. So really it's, we got to find candidates for, for focal therapies in men who are pretty darn sure that the cancer is located in just that one area. So we look at the risk of the cancer, you know, is this a uh, intermediate risk prostate cancer as opposed to a high risk prostate cancer? You know, we, we try not to do treatment for low risk prostate cancer. So focal therapy is not the solution for men who would be better served with active surveillance. So low-risk cancers are better watched because we know that those don't have the ability to spread. So there are some, you know, out there who who have thought as focal therapy uh, a solution for or a substitute for active surveillance, and that's just wrong. You know, we shouldn't be treating people who don't need treatment, and any treatment, whether it's focal therapy or whole gland therapies, have side effects, and, and exposing those men uh, to side effects is, is not the right thing to do. Um, so really, it's uh, selecting men who are in the intermediate risk. Higher risk candidates are better treated with more whole gland therapies. And just because we know that the, the chances that their cancer can be multifocal or the chances that their cancer could already be metastatic is higher. So you would be under treating men in, in the higher risk category. And we do know that the success rates of focal therapies for higher risk cancers is not as good as, you know, compared to radiation or surgery or other whole gland therapies. So really finding men who are intermediate risk, who based on imaging, based on biopsies, have the cancer localized to one small part of their prostate. So, so really it's a, identifying men uh, who are good candidates um, and, and offering it to them, but with the, the understanding that, well, one, focal therapy has a higher chance of recurrence compared to whole gland therapies. We know this, and it's just because of, well, the nature of the disease. There are, you know, some men who may just have another focus of cancer in another part of their prostate, and, and so treating that part of their prostate may be an undertreatment. But um, we also have to, you know, appreciate that Focal therapies also have less side effects. And as a result, men would have a better quality of life if we are able to successfully treat them with a focal treatment. And there's a lot of different types of focal therapies, and we'll maybe get into that in a moment. But, but the best way to, to do it is to do a, a good risk assessment. Here at the Cleveland Clinic, we actually uh, consider 
you know, a multidisciplinary approach for considering people who are good candidates for focal therapy. We actually have what we call a focal therapy tumor board, and we've published on this. And you know, we have to be very rigorous with our with our you know selection of men. And really in a multidisciplinary approach, meaning we have our radiologists review all the images. We have other urologists who deal with cancer uh, review, uh, you know, the biopsies and PSAs and other types of patient information. And we also have radiation oncologists who do focal therapies for radiation on prostate cancer, uh, you know, review review the patient. And, and we've actually found that when we do that, we are only actually selecting around a quarter of the people who are considered uh, candidates for focal therapies as good candidates. So it's important to be rigorous in our selection of men, but it is an option. And for people who are good candidates, they have good outcomes and good quality of life. When we think about candidates for the therapy, you've talked about considerations related to the prostate and the prostate cancer itself. Are there patient factors? We're going to talk about the, a couple of the procedures here in a minute and what might be involved, but are there patient factors? Maybe a patient might be more amenable to uh, doing well with one therapy over another? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And yes, you're absolutely right. A lot of it has to do with what are their baseline urinary symptoms? What are their baseline sexual function? Uh, and, and also what their preferences are. What are their goals? You know, if their absolute goal is by all means treat this cancer and, and you know, maybe the, the side effects are a secondary thought, maybe they're a better candidate for a whole gland treatment versus a focal therapy. Um, if they have obstructive urinary symptoms, some of the treatments can make those worse. Um, so we consider that as well. Um, and also, what is their willingness to continue to do surveillance? Because part of focal therapy is going to be well, you're going to have to continue to monitor your prostate because your prostate's still there. There's another part of your prostate that wasn't treated. And so surveilling that part with MRIs, PSAs, further biopsies, you know, is a very important part of the focal therapy. So if, if some men aren't, aren't interested in that, that kind of a treatment, maybe they aren't a good candidate for that as well. I guess as a medical oncologist, sometimes uh, I remember trying to be the tiebreaker and somebody like they wanted, uh, there's a surgery option, a radiation option. And, and sometimes people had this need to know. And like, for instance, if they had radiation, they'd never know if they had positive lymph nodes or th things like that. Exactly. And so I guess uh, patient it, it, factors are huge. 100%. And that's where kind of the uh, regular conversation about what are their goals, what are the things that are important to them really is, is the most important thing aside from the cancer characteristics themselves. But and that takes time to get an, a, you know, a good understanding of that in multiple conversations. Also, second opinions with a radiation oncologist is very important, um, as well as a medical oncologist if, if there's a concern for, for more advanced disease. Um, and so, so that's, that's kind of where focal therapy is. You, you mentioned that, uh, that there's a greater risk of recurrence, and that's just kind of a known thing, and you, we have to, to assess. How much greater is that risk? Yeah, that's, a, that's a, something that we are still trying to determine. Uh, the studies suggest there's about a 10 to 15% higher chance of a recurrence of the prostate cancer. And, and, and a recurrence is kind of defined in two different ways. What's the chances that the treatment area has a cancer recurrence that's actually pretty low. You know, it's it's in in the order of around ten to fifteen percent uh, in field recurrence, meaning in the treatment zone, 
Um, but really, the, the more common scenario is that there could be a recurrence of cancer that was outside of the treatment zone in the area that we did not detect based on the imaging. Um, and so that's where you know we have to then consider salvage treatments. And salvage treatments, well, they have more side effects because the first treatment, you know, uh, you know, they become additive in terms of what are the side effects, whether how it affects your urine control or how it affects your urinary symptoms or your sexual function. And so we, we try to understand uh, you know, who's the best candidate and really being rigorous in our selection of patients. But, but there are the majority of men, over 90% of the men who get a focal therapy don't require a salvage therapy. And that's something that uh, is just a matter of, of, of trying to identify, you know, is this a recurrence that can be watched? Like, is this a low risk recurrence that we can do a, you know, surveillance for? Or is this a higher risk recurrence that requires additional therapy? So freedom from a salvage treatment like radiation or surgery is actually pretty good uh, when we do focal therapies. And when you, you talk about maybe a little bit more complex salvage therapies may be required, um, but patients don't necessarily lose treatment options. Correct. It, it, you know, they still would be candidates for radiation and they still would be candidates for surgery. They actually would be candidates still for usually a repeat ablation if, if it's in a location that's, that's reachable or favorable for a repeat ablation. But we just have to understand that, you know, that will be likely to cause more side effects. So radiation uh, may cause more irritative symptoms, uh, more obstructive symptoms in, in the salvage situation. A you know salvage prostatectomy you know, may be a little bit more challenging to do because of scar tissue from the original ablation. And so the chances that we would be able to preserve your urine control as well as your sexual function may be reduced. So there's a little bit of an additive effect from the side effects. So we shouldn't be thinking, oh, you know, let's just do this ablation because we have a backup plan. We shouldn't be thinking of focal therapy that way. We should be thinking it as the, the goal is just this treatment. And, but, you know, it's, it, is, it is reassuring to know that there are backup options um, still with the hopes of curing the cancer, even in the event of a recurrence. And so that's something that uh, we, we, do, we do talk to patients about. Excellent. Well, let's talk a little bit about what these procedures are, what these focal therapies are. Tell us a little bit about NanoKnife. Yeah, so this is um, this is a newer technology, a newer energy of of what we call electroporation. So what we do is we deliver high voltage current across the prostate tissue, usually in the form of a of a of a needle that disrupts the cell membrane of the cell, the cancer cell, and then causes cell death. And so when they call it, call it electroporation, essentially it creates pores in the cell membrane and then as a result, the, the cell dies. And, and what's good about NanoKnife, um, which is, which is the, the, the term that people, people use, is that it, it can be directed in a focal way, but also it reduces the collateral damage of the normal tissue around it. So it has less collateral damage that, than some of the other energies that we have. So NanoKnife, the another another advantage of it is that we can deliver it to uh, other parts of the prostate that were difficult to reach with other focal therapies, like the anterior prostate. So the top of the prostate traditionally was difficult to reach with some of our other focal therapies, like HIFU, which is an ultrasound ablation, um, and a lot of these have to be directed through the rectum. Um, so 
reaching the top of the prostate is sometimes more challenging, and sometimes the urethra is in the way. So the nano knife is another type of energy that allows us to deliver that energy to a you know focal part of the prostate at the top that would be difficult to reach uh, with HIFU. When you talk about collateral damage, I guess the thing that would come to mind would be like nerves that have to do with you know sexual dysfunction and things like that. Yep, and and that's um, and that's something where. We, we think of, of a number of different an, uh, you know, anatomic parts that we're trying to avoid injuring. The nerves that supply your erections, which run on the outside of the prostate, that's one of them. Also, your urethra, we don't want to cause a stricture in the urethra, which is another risk when we're doing any sort of ablative uh, therapy of the prostate. Um, your sphincter muscle, which is another important muscle that helps you control your urine. We also don't want to damage. So we think about these these three major anatomic landmarks uh, as far as trying to avoid injury to to surrounding structures. Are there size limitations on um, how large a, a lesion in the prostate can be to to get this procedure? Yes, exactly. And, and that's something where the larger the tumor, the more likely it's going to be difficult to treat with a focal therapy. A lot of it determines is does it cross to the other side of the prostate? Is it a large enough tumor that it essentially is, is also involving the opposite side? And then we start to ask ourselves, well, one, we know with larger lesions, the chances of a recurrence is higher. Um, and would they be better served with a whole gland therapy as opposed to a focal therapy? And so, and so it's something that, um, you know, we look at the size, we look at the other appearance uh, on the MRI. Uh, is it extending outside of the prostate? Or are there signs for extra prostatic extension? You know, these are things that are risk factors for, for failing focal therapy. Um, also, the biopsy information, are there certain you know, features of the cancer that we know don't respond well to focal therapies. So, so size is part of it. Um, and, and, and really, uh, you know, looking at some of the other markers that we have uh, together. So it, that's kind of where also having a, a tumor board discussion, you know, discussing it in a multidisciplinary way has benefits to, to selecting these men and taking into account all the features. Another procedure you talked about was was using um, HIFU. Tell us a little bit about HIFU and kind of what that entails and pro, maybe pros and cons. Yeah, HIFU is a, is called high intensity focused ultrasound. So it's an ultrasound ablation of the prostate, and it's actually one of the most widely used focal therapies. And it's one of the first focal therapies that were used. There's other types of uh, ways that we can deliver focal energy. Another is is cryotherapy, which is where we use freezing uh, energy to kill the prostate cancer that we can direct um, focally as well. But HIFU is an ultrasound ablation. We know that this has the ability to kill prostate cancer um, and also can be directed in a you know, image-guided way. So we use ultrasound guidance and we can also use a ultrasound and MRI fusion guidance to ablate you know, the prostate and the lesion uh, completely. Um, it, it has a good good effect in terms of killing the tissue as well as sparing the surrounding nerve structures as well as the urethra 
and, and the sphincter. But some of the limitations, as I kind of alluded to before, is it can't reach the entire prostate. Uh, it sometimes can have difficulty reaching the top. And if, if it's, uh, you know, in the way of, if the urethra could be in the way, we don't want to ablate that. Or if it's near the sphincter, we don't want to be ablating that. So, so HIFU, we deliver them, we do this procedure in the operating room, uh, but it's outpatient. Um, you have to wear a catheter for a couple days just because there can be some swelling in the prostate, but very minimal pain, very good um, side effect profile, but it is a focal therapy and, and we are, you know, uh, limited by uh, the ability to, compared to whole gland therapies, have equal cancer outcomes. So we do have to continue monitoring. So that means uh, checking your PSA and checking the MRI to make sure that the lesion is ablated and not showing any signs of life, uh, making sure there's not any new lesions in the prostate that popped up since. And then usually around the one year mark, we do a prostate biopsy uh, to make sure that the cancer's gone. And, and so sometimes we see the PSA rising and we can do the biopsy sooner, but we just as a routine standard practice, we biopsy people at the one year mark. So that's kind of part of the buy-in for any focal therapy. But, but, but HIFU is probably the more commonly used focal energy. But, but as you say, like things like nano knife location of tumor might have some benefit. Yep. Um, how widely available are these therapies? Well, they're, they're becoming more widely available and a lot of it is patient driven. Patients you know, they don't want to be exposed to the side effects of treatment. And so they're willing to kind of seek out these focal energies. And, and as we study them more and, and we kind of understand who are the, the right selection, we, we offer those to people. But, you know, there are some who are offering those focal therapies in kind of a way that is uh, exposing everybody, all comers, to focal therapies when they would have maybe better treated with, uh, with radiation or surgery. And so, so it's something that there are some who have misused these treatments. And so there are certain locations that people travel to, you know, out of the country and other, other states um, that may be using them in an irresponsible way. And, and maybe people who have been better served with surveillance, um, you know, are being exposed to these treatments and, and negatively impacting patients. But uh, but centers that offer focal therapies in a more responsible way in a more uh, selected patient population, uh, they're they're becoming more prevalent in in large academic centers, um, other other private groups, you know, in in the in the area also are offering focal therapies as well. But you know, there's some who are also using it as a financial incentive to you know treat people who you know can you know, otherwise be managed in a better way. So are we doing any clinical trials with focal therapies? Yeah, there, there's actually one that we're doing here at the Cleveland Clinic uh, that involves focal surgery and comparing it with the HIFU ablation. So Dr. Jihad Kayuk is going to be the one leading that trial, uh, looking at new robotic surgery using the single port robot. That is a way to use surgery in a focal way that can reduce the side effects and similarly treat people who are good candidates for focal therapy. So, so that's something that's uh, being done with also Ruben Olivares, who's one of our experts in focal therapy here um, at the Cleveland Clinic. And that's something where we're accruing patients and we're going to hope to see uh, results and see if focal surgery is a good option in the armamentarium for focal therapy. So I guess, you know, essentially at large academic groups, you know, the large urologic practices, things like that, 
um, would be able to offer these sorts of, of uh, procedures. Are there particular patients that would be best suited to come to a place like Cleveland Clinic or these centers that do these more often? Is there, is there a characteristic either of the tumor or patient that, that, that really should consider that? Yeah, I think that, um, it, you know, what, what, what's great about the Cleveland Clinic and the way we deliver focal therapies or offer focal therapies is we're very rigorous in our selection. And that's not something that you would get from other, other locations that might be financially incentivized uh, to, to offer focal therapies to all comers. Um, you know, we have excellent multidisciplinary care here. And so we rely heavily on our radiologists to help us select uh, who are good candidates for focal therapies. So having that expertise here at the Cleveland Clinic, um, Andre Piriesco is, uh, is an excellent radiologist that we work with frequently. Uh, another, another great radiologist is Ryan Ward. These are our expert you know, GU radiologists who help us select patients and identify distance from important structures, characteristics of the tumor that could be worrisome. And also we rely on our radiation oncologists to provide second opinions for who would be, you know, good candidates for radiation as well. So that, that's something that at the Cleveland Clinic we, we do have that other places may not. But other, other centers are also responsibly offering this, this therapy. And it's something that really is, is the other advantage is we're continuing to study the outcomes of this newer therapy and how it how it compares to whole gland therapies that are more traditional. And so tracking our own outcomes is another thing that we're hoping to do. And we're, we're, we're researching this uh, routinely and trying to update uh, what we're doing in terms of, are we doing the responsible and correct treatment for cancer? Excellent. Well, you've uh, provided some outstanding insight for us today. Appreciate you being with us. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. To make a direct online referral to our Tosic Cancer Institute, complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancer patient referrals. You will receive confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash cancer advances podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.